Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? Jeff Cohn here, host of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top thought leaders, team leaders, and broker owners from across the country. Really excited to be speaking with Mr. Brian Moses out of New Hampshire today. Brian ran one of the top 10 teams at Caldwell Banker in the world from 1990 to 2006. His exit strategy was to sell his business in 2006 and became a coach with the Craig Proctor organization. He then was hired on as an executive VP consultant for Tony Robbins and has now launched his own real estate coaching company, which focuses on coaching real estate teams and team leaders at brianmosescall.com. You can set up a time to meet with Brian. Today, we are going to get into some really fun things, but first and foremost, welcome to the show, Brian. Jeff, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Hey, it's great to have you here. What I really like about this is I got licensed in 2006, launched my team in 2011, and we just became a brokerage. Um, My exit strategy is probably a little different than yours, but I'm really excited to get your perspective. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are as well to see someone who is actually forward thinking enough to have a team inside your brokerage as early as the 90s. I think that you were a pioneer, sir. And I don't think we would be where we are if it weren't for people like you who footed all of the risk in trying out this new team concept. So let's start off by talking about what you did prior to real estate and then help us understand what got you into Caldwell and what that looked like as you grew your business to one of the top 10 in the world at Caldwell, which is a huge accomplishment. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. I I was a business student at Northeastern University in Boston, and I graduated in 1989 with a business degree and said, what am I going to do? And I got these job offers, you know, 50, 60,000 bucks a year, company car, medical benefits. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that that's my future. And I looked at real estate and thought, thought, believed real estate agents made millions of dollars. You know, 22 year old kid out of school had no clue. Yeah. And that first year I made 18,000 bucks. So still living at home, humbled a little bit by my illusions. I stayed with it. I didn't quit. And, um, you know, struggled for a few years and then finally managed to figure it out and then scaled it. All right. Well, I think that's probably the story for a lot of agents. I think recently I heard the average agent in the country sells seven doors and nets around 18,000. And that's 25 or even 30 years later. Wow. Pretty yeah, crazy, right? Crazy. But then when I scaled it and started building a team, you know, I mean, I did a lot of things right, obviously, to have the success that I had, but I did a lot of things wrong. And I'd create systems and processes and, and document things and you know, I always go back to the drawing board or the laboratory, so to speak, and go, well, what if I did this? Or what if we did it that way? Or what am I missing? And I'd learn from my mistakes. And we built a team when it was not popular to build a team. And Mm -hmm. when we were criticized by building a team and people go, oh, you know, like it was almost like it was a bad thing to do. Of course, I hear this all the time. Of course, Jeff Cohn was number one at Berkshire. His team was had 25 people. 
Right. And I'd always say, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You get it. The, your listeners get it. And then 95% of the other population right. doesn't get it. Right. Cool. So you started a scaling your real estate team. You owned a Coldwell brokerage, I'm assuming. And yeah. this is in the 90s. So talk to our listeners just because, you know, it's just crazy, you guys. We take so much for granted. This was pre-cell phones, okay? Yeah. Uh, this was pre the MLS having <laughs> pictures of houses. Okay, this was pre-MLS existing online. You mm. had books. Yeah, we did. So from a scalability standpoint, when you look at what you built, I bet if you did what you did now, you would have built 10 times faster and had 10 times the success using your processes and systems. Agents have such an amazing opportunity today. And I think they take a lot of that for granted with how fast we can grow and how easy it is to generate leads compared to how it was back in, in the 90s. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so twice, you know, I was top 10 in the world uh, for Caldwell Banker in terms of sales with my team. We did 427 homes our best year. Our best month was 64 sales, half a million in commission income in a month. And even today, those are pretty impressive numbers. When people hear those numbers, they go, holy smokes, that's humming. And I wasn't in Miami or Dallas or Los Angeles or Atlanta. I was in Nashua, New Hampshire. So it, I'm very, very proud of those accomplishments. But you talk about technology and the tools that we have today that make, you know, DocuSign. We didn't have those. We didn't have those luxuries. Yeah. So today I'm been, I'm privileged to share the strategies that I used pre-scale, pre-cell phone, as you pointed out. Yep. You know the days of the pager, and um, I have teams that I coach today that do. 800, 1,000, 1,200 transactions a year. And it's pretty exciting. Yep, that is. That's awesome. I remember I grew up in a real estate agent family. Um, my mom became an agent when I was in first grade, which goes back to 1986. And so I remember riding in the car with my mom and she'd get calls and she had a car phone. And it was in the center console and she had a little thing on the back of the car, like an antenna and she'd get calls in her car and she's this fancy realtor. She was in her Maximas, like a little sports car. And it's just amazing to me to think of how fast we've, we've have, have, you know, evolved obviously with technology yeah. um, and ag agents are still here. Thank God. We're still at the center of the transaction. We're still the fiduciary. We're still keeping six or 5%, which is pretty surprising with how far we've come technologically. They can't seem to push the agent away. And as we continue to be more important to that transaction and bring value to the consumer, we won't go away. It's if we're just opening doors for people and just going and let throwing a sign in the yard, then we're not going to have value and technology can take over our jobs. But I don't think that that's happening anytime soon. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. You know, we are in a uh, funny market right now. Um, 2020, you get a listing and you get 50 offers on the property in some markets. I never experienced that in my life, Jeff. You know, I think my hottest listing, and I had a bunch of REO properties, I might get three offers on a property. And that was a lot. Yeah. The market is so freaking hot it's crazy with the low interest rates. Yep. Um, but the public is recognizing that skills trump motivation. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, if they're interested in growing their team, I think that's probably something that they really need to marinate on. Most people would think motivation over skill. But Tony Robbins, a mentor of mine, former employer, he 
I remember talking to him in Jackson Hole, Wyoming on a skiing trip. And he said, what do you think is more important, motivation or skill? Oh, without a question, motivation. He goes, well, why were you starving your first five years in real estate? It wasn't because you weren't motivated. It's because you lacked the skill of how to generate leads, how to convert leads, how to do effective presentations, how to scale and build out your team. So you can apply that to anything. If there was a bomb under our desk and we had five minutes to undo the bomb and we couldn't get out of the building, do you pull the white wire, the blue wire, the red wire? You're motivated, but there's a lot of motivated idiots out there today. So for your audience and for the people that aspire to build a profitable business that adds massive value to the communities that they serve, it's all about skill. Yeah. And we were talking before about, um, you know, I just took some notes, um, you know, some of the key skilled distinctions that I didn't have that cost me a lot of money when I was growing and building my team. And then by knowing those, conversely, they made me lots of money. Yeah. So, what I, one of the things I want to share with the audience, one of the things that uh, Brian had done for Tony Robbins as an executive VP consultant is they would take the concepts, the skills that are taught in the Tony Robbins organization, and they'd apply it to billion dollar companies. And what's so interesting with that, that mindset is there's, this, there's a formula. And that formula will work at McDonald's and that formula will work at, you know, Gallup and the formula will work at Union Pacific Railroad. It doesn't matter the business. Those, those skill sets still exist. It's just a different, you know, what do they say? A different, different music, um, different song, something like that. But I think that to speaking to those formulas, I think would really help our listeners. So let's get into that a little bit, Brian. What are some of the formulas that you guys would look at when you talk skills, when you go into some of those businesses, what were some of like the baseline starting points that you would get into with, I guess you probably worked with what, mid-level management? Yeah, I'd work with mid-level management, upper level management. Um, You know, my job was to help them dial in their profitability. And we can we, there are teams that do hundreds of transactions and they're not very profitable. Um, you know, most, most teams, by the way, as I've dove into their PLs, yeah. if the team lead doesn't sell, they're not profitable. But they're walking around with their chest pumped up going, you know, we sold 200, 300, 400 homes and they've got nothing to show for it. And the bill collectors are calling them. So there's two reasons that we're in business. We're in business to add value to people. And we're in business to be profitable. And there's certain dials or metrics, you mentioned it, KPIs in your business that move the profit needle. Mm -hmm. I guess if I were uh, starting from the foundation, I'd point out to people that the team leaders that will be listening to us, they have two clients. They have the buying and selling public. That's a client, buyers and sellers. And they know how to do that. They also have internal clients, which is their team, buyer's agents, listing agents, admin, transaction coordination, couriers. Um, So recognizing that you have internal clients, we need to create a model that is duplicitive, duplicitive, duplicatable, duplicitous of the external clients. Meaning we need to have a system to attract agents to our team. In order to attract agents, we need to identify who is our ideal agent. Mm -hmm. And for me, I loved rookies. I loved people that didn't know any bad habits, right? Because I could mold them like clay. Now, there's no right or wrong. 
But is your ideal client a rookie agent or an experienced agent? Your team leader needs to make that decision. Right. Well, and I think you make a great point. Agents so often who are still in production think about where's my next client? How do I generate more leads? They're not thinking like an owner, which is where is my next best hire? What's the position that I need to leverage next so that I know I can make higher income producing, you know, be in higher income producing activities. And that's thinking like an entrepreneur, not thinking like a worker, uh, which reminds me of rich dad, poor dad. I wanted to revisit a concept you shared earlier about skills versus motivation. Um, I think about this a lot and I talk to people a lot about reading and bettering themselves. And I say the difference between you and me, Brian, are the books that you've read, the people you've met and the podcasts you listen to. Got to throw the podcast in there. I think I added that one. And what's really interesting is you can get all of the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have the motivation to apply it, it's never going to get you anywhere. And you can, to your point, have all the motivation in the world, but if you don't have the skills to implement that, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, you won't get anywhere. And so it's this relationship between gaining knowledge and applying it and gaining knowledge and applying it. But the biggest challenge I've seen, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, is agents are scared to take a step backwards. And in my life, what I've experienced is that if you aren't willing to take a step backwards, you'll move slow, you'll move forward very slowly. And what I mean by take a step backwards is let's say that you're making 200 grand a year net and you have to hire a great recruiter at 50,000 a year or a success manager or a marketing department or an ops, man, ops manager, insert whatever the position is. You're going to go from 200 to 150 for a time. It might be a year, it might be three, it might be two months. And in my experience, the bigger steps backwards I was willing to take, the bigger steps forward I was able to experience. So the bigger risk you choose to take, the biggest success you might have, but to your very point, you have to have the skill set to be able to take those calculated steps backwards to get a certain result. I agree 100%. I took three notes when you were talking about that to just kind of put a exclamation point on it. Mm-hmm. We live in a society that has conditioned us for immediate gratification, instant gratification, you know, we're, and we don't, we're not willing to take a step back, as you said, because we're so focused on right now. However, two of my favorite quotes, one was from Abraham Lincoln. If he had six hours to chop down a tree, he'd spend five sharpening his ax and he would beat the guy that had the dull ax. So, and then my, this, on the same point, my father, who was a plumber, he always taught me to measure twice so that you only cut once. Mm-hmm. How many teams listening to this have made a bad hire? have hired somebody who promised that that they would be, you know, show up for team meetings and seem to have the great core values said that they would call the leads and the team leaders spending thousands of dollars a month to generate leads, to scale their business, gives them to the buyer agent and the buyer agent isn't calling the leads. And worse, the team leader doesn't know that the buyer agent's not calling them. Or if they do, they complain about the buyer's agents being lazy when in fact they are culpable for not building, hiring people willing to work hard, training them how to be successful and holding them accountable to key APIs. Absolutely. Yeah. We're on the same page, brother. I, I, I love, I love everything you're saying. Cool. All right. So you've got a lot of people out here. Um, when this, this episode airs, it's either the end of December or early January and everyone has these goals they've been thinking about and stewing about, and they have all these accomplishments they want to have in 2021 and they're motivated. Uh, but they might not have the skill set. 
where would you point someone that knows they want to become better? Obviously, if someone's listening right now, they're listening to a podcast. What would be some other podcasts you might direct someone to? What would be some books? I know we talked off air about a few books you, you thought would help people shape their minds. And then what other activities? You know, um, you think about like an expert athlete. I thought I always use a football analogy. What are athletes doing all year round? They're conditioning right? They're in the gym, they're eating clean, they're constantly thinking and meditating, focusing on the game they're playing so that when they play the game, they dominate. How many of us as real estate agents and entrepreneurs are doing the exact same thing? Outside of work, how often are we thinking about it? How often are we listening? How often are we meditating? And what I found is the people that perform at the highest level, they live they live it. They, they eat, sleep, and breathe the thing that they're successful at. And I think a lot of times people are working towards an end where they don't have to work, where they don't have to think. And to me, that's, that's death, right? Retirement in my mind is death. Like, why would you ever want to stop that? Because to me, it's just becoming a better person so that I can help other people become better. So what would be your advice? I mean, you're, and I like looking at you, Brian, is like, you're the, you're what we're all working towards. You had this exit strategy. You sold this big business. You're now a consultant, which I think is so awesome and fascinating. And who here wouldn't want to sell their business and make millions of dollars and then go coach other people on how to do the same thing. Like that's awesome. So for everybody here, like what are some of the things as we kind of gear up for 2021, I guess from a knowledge standpoint and a skill set standpoint, maybe even a motivation standpoint, what do you think we should be focusing on? Well, growth, you know, everybody's unique and, and, individual and Tony Robbins talks about meta programs and meta programs are the way that people make decisions and connect with other people. We all have likes and dislikes and there's so many meta programs. Some people are averse to pain. You know, they'll do anything to avoid pain, which means they probably won't grow their business because there's a lot of pain in growing your business. Mm -hmm. And some people are focused on pleasure. I'm a, I'm focused on pleasure. I'm focused on the upside. The people that aren't, doing that probably have an internal meta program that's averse to pain or some people are towards some people are away if you've ever talked to somebody who's a near talker they get right in your face and whisper to you it's almost uncomfortable so we have all every human being is unique and different so for me to give a a prescription to all these people would be it would be unfair but let me with that stated some of the ones that I've liked that have really made an impact in my business. I wrote down David Goggins, Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, Grant Cardone, um, and Jesse Itzler. He's my all-time favorite right now. I got to meet Jesse Itzler at a recent event. That guy is just loaded with energy. You know, he's, he has a no-can't vocabulary. That guy... Um, and all the people I met, and myself included, and probably you, Jeff, the little bit that I got to know you, we don't take no for an answer. There, if, if we get no, we look at how we can get a yes. Mm-hmm. What could we do differently? Um, I got Can I throw something in here? Yeah. I spoke at the Todd Duncan, who's huge on in the mortgage space. I think the number one podcast in the mortgage space. He invited me to be a panelist on at his big summit. They had about 50,000 people just a couple of months ago. And he sent me a coin yesterday in the mail and I'm going to kill the quote, but it's Marcus Aurelius, who I believe was the person that was in gladiator. He's that gladiator that fought for his freedom. And there's a quote and it says the way is something about the way is the obstacle that's ahead of you. So essentially, we always want to go around the obstacle. Wow. The idea is that the way is through the obstacle. 
it's not around. And I think about Aaron, um, who's the gentleman whose arm got stuck um, in the book 127 Hours, which then became a movie. Aaron Ralston, I think it, it was. He had to cut his arm off <laughs> to, to save his life. He literally cut his arm off. And wow. I, I think about uh, Jesse Itzler. Jesse, guys, is such a freak of, of excellence. He hired David Goggins after doing a running yes. competition where he watched David attempt to run 104 miles at 300 pounds and untrained eating saltine crackers. So he wrote a book, Living with a Seal or Life with a Seal. Yes. It's one of the best audios I've ever listened to it's while incredible. working out. It's one of the best. And he talks about how he brings Goggins into his house. They don't say David Goggins. At the time, they kept it private. Yeah. Uh, but then Goggins comes out later and announces that was him in the book. And it's an most amazing book. So Jesse hires a Navy SEAL to try to get in the best shape of his life. Who do- who does that? Like, that's insane. So pretty that's cool. That's coaching, right? People, there are people who have blazed a trail before you and there are shortcuts. My dad told me there are no shortcuts in life. It's not true. There are shortcuts. If we were in Texas drilling for oil and I had just drilled in a particular area and put my drill press away and took off and then I saw you, Jeff, drilling in the same spot, I could tap you on the shoulder and go, there's no oil there. How do you know? <laughs> I've drilled that hole. I've drilled right there. Good point. That's a shortcut. Yeah, guess so, what? Burger King doesn't spend all the money on where to put their restaurants. They just put them across the street from McDonald's. Shortcut. Right. right. They've, McDonald's has already done the research. Yep. So, you know, whether you get involved with Jeff, you get involved with me, uh, you get involved with another coach, coaches are great. One of the great things that we love to do is mystery shop our teams. You know, I I talk with team leaders, Jeff, and they go, man, we're crushing it, but we want to do better. And if we're open to be humbled, right, if we can let go of our ego for a moment to be vulnerable and say, maybe we're not doing as great as we are. And Tony would say, compared to who? So whenever I think, oh, you know, I'm doing great, Mm -hmm. Tony goes, compared to who? Mm -hmm. Not compared to this guy, not compared to that Mm -hmm. guy, not compared to Jesse Etzler. You're not doing that great. That's funny, Brian. I was on a call yesterday with a, a very impressive gentleman. Um, I'll even throw his name out. His name's Greg. He just joined a mastermind group that I'm a part of. And he was talking to me. He had some questions about the direction he's going in his career. And he talked to me about this, some really successful investments he had early on in his career that made him $100,000 net. And he never expected to ever make that much. And he said that sentence. And I said, why do you think that that's a lot of money? Yeah. And it blew his mind. He's like, bro. He's like, that's the craziest question anyone's ever asked. I said, we got to ask different questions. Like, why do you think you were successful netting a hundred grand on a flip? Right. So it's kind of that same mindset. It's, it's those meta tags. What'd you call them? Meta programs. Meta programming. I mean, we get programmed and guess what? If you guys want to be freaked out, go watch the documentary Netflix just released about social media. We are programmed right now. Our, our youth are being programmed by TikTok, um, Snapchat, YouTube. That we are literally programming our youth just like a computer right now with social media. We are, people are controlling how our youth 
think. And something that my kids, my kids were super pro and I don't care where, what political line you're on. I don't have either. So yep. I'm an independent, but my kids are very uh, liberal in their thinking. They were very supportive of Biden and they're only 15 year olds, 13 and 11. And I would ask them why. And they're like, well, if you watch YouTube dad, or if you watch TikTok videos, dad, Biden's way better. He's a way better person. So I said, well, let me see a search of Donald Trump and let me see a search of Biden. And so they showed me and everything about Biden was positive and happy and, you know, whatever. And everything about Trump was negative. And of course, both men have positives and negatives. So why is the social media shaping the way our kids think? And it's an easy answer. China is, it's negative. China owns TikTok. So it is against China's best interest to have a Republican president that creates tariffs. So they're going to use this technology they own and they can control it. It's theirs. Um, Reddit's doing the same thing. Twitter's doing the same thing. So the reason I bring all of this up is this programming absolutely changes how we think. So how do we reprogram our minds? I'm sure you teach this or taught this in Tony Robbins. Well, I'm still learning, Jeff. Um, I want to share a quick story if we have time. We have time and then we'll end on this story. Okay. This was a breakthrough for Brian Moses this past week. So if I say, and you don't have to answer it, this is a rhetorical question. If I say Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian's stepdad, Caitlyn Jenner, right? Formerly Bruce Jenner. We all have opinions. We all have judgments. So I'm watching uh, David Letterman on Netflix this past Saturday, and he's got this new show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. So I'm like, that's cool. I love David Letterman. I actually was on his show one time, and uh, it was a fun time, and I'm a huge fan. So the first show that pops up is uh, Kim Kardashian. I'm like, oh, I don't like Kim Kardashian. I Let me change the channel. Where's the remote? This is ridiculous. And I have all these judgments of Kim Kardashian, and I, I'm not aware of them. I'm just having these feelings. Like, I don't want to watch Kim Kardashian. Right. And I shared Kim, Kanye, and Caitlyn Jenner because we all have opinions that may not be accurate. Well, let, let, me, let, let me say this, and I'm sorry to take any of the momentum away from your story. Oh, good. Who here already that has made a decision rhetorically about what they think has ever met any of those three individuals? And this is what I challenged my kids on. I said, have you met Donald Trump? Have you met Joe Biden? Obviously, they both answered no, not obviously for everyone listening, maybe. But for most people, you're not you haven't met these people. How do you pass judgment on someone based on what the media tells you to think about them? And I'm a Tony Robbins coach who has been trained not to live in judgment. So I'm not even aware of all this. I'm looking for the clicker and Kim start the interview starts going and I'm like, Wow. She's a beautiful human being, not externally, internally. Right. She's badass intelligent. I'm learning shit from her as a business person that Tony never shared with me. She's playful. She's vulnerable. I fell in love with her. And then she, like, I fell in love with her and I don't know what external stimulus Mm, caused judgments on her where I would never even want to. So well, I, I'll share, yeah, I just want to share, be less judgmental, right? Be less judgmental. We could be wrong. And your point was well, well stated. Have you ever met these people? Right. Do you know these people? I mean, the other thing, my wife has taught me this. She said at one point, like she worked in social work for four years in Salt Lake City and has a social work degree from Brigham Young University. 
And she said, you know, people pass judgment so often, but if you knew where those people came from, you'd have a completely different feeling. And I get emotional talking about this. This is my high eye in me. I always think what's best in someone. Where I look at people is what are they capable of becoming? We should look at people the same way we look at our kids where I don't think we're as judgmental because we know they're great kids and they're going to become great adults. Do we look at other people with that, you know, that level of compassion? And I think we should as human beings right now more than ever with how divided I feel like the country is. We have to recognize where did someone come from? Why do they formulate the opinions that they have? How can we be involved in their life to help them have a better experience? And the biggest challenge for everyone listening right now, and I'm sure, Brian, you experienced this a lot back when you were running your team in the 90s, is people become jealous of those that make bigger sacrifices than them. People become envious of those that take bigger steps backwards to propel themselves further forwards. And the reason that you have negative feelings about certain people that were just mentioned is those people probably didn't embrace, embrace the media the same way that other people did choose to embrace the media. And so the media attacked them. And I've had the same experience as a realtor in Omaha, Nebraska. All I have done my whole career is gotten on podcasts and told people the exact formulas to be successful. And I have people that hate me. And I ask people, well, why do you hate Jeff Cohn? Why do you hate Brian Moses? And the reasons are, well, he thinks he's better than everyone. And then I'll say, have they ever met me? No, they've never met you. They just talked to other people. Did those people ever meet me? Have you ever had one drink with me or taken me to a lunch or gotten to know me? Because you don't know who I am, but you're passing all these judgments. And what I would say to you, if you're listening, is I'll go to lunch with you. I'll make you buy. But I'll go to spend an hour. I, I've never turned down an appointment. I've never turned down a phone call. Um, I have the fastest growing real estate team in history in Omaha, Nebraska, to your point, just a small town, 70 to 700 sales in six years, uh, number one team in the world at Berkshire, all of these accomplishments, and yet people continue to talk bad. And I believe and subscribe to the sentiment that haters are going to hate. Um, people that have been treated poorly will treat people poorly. Unhappy people will stay unhappy. And it's the crab effect. If you haven't looked that up, look it up on Wikipedia, the crab effect where if there's two crabs in a bucket, neither can get out. If there's one, they can crawl out. And people, people subscribe to the crab effect. So I love that you brought up the programming. I think that that's a huge uh, successful topic to talk on, especially going into 2021. If we change the way we think, we're going to change the way we act and we're going to get different results. 100%. So with that... <laughs> What a great episode, Brian. This has been awesome. Um, I do want to invite all of my listeners to be sure to go and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Give a shout out to Brian. Um, BrianMosesCall.com. If you want to look at doing some consulting with the Brian Moses organization, they do an amazing job helping lift real estate team leaders and teams to the next level. And then we also would love to extend an invitation. We're going to be hosting our first ever team building workshop virtually. We chose not to do a single virtual event in 2020. We hosted four in-person events, uh, but next year we're going to host a few virtual and in-person. So if you want more information about upcoming events, you want some free downloads, you want to learn more about our team building summit, and or you want to learn more about Elite Real Estate Systems Coaching Organization, go out to growwithers.com. Brian, how do we get in touch with you if anyone has any questions, referrals, follow-ups, anything like that? Yeah, they can go to my website, brianmoses.com, or they can, if they want to schedule a call with us and uh, talk about how we might be able to help them grow their business, there's no obligation. We'll evaluate their business, learn about their goals, see if it's a fit. And if it is, we can talk about uh, engaging and working together and helping you reach your goals quicker, faster. And that's brianmosescall.com. But let me thank you for inviting me. I think I got more out of uh, talking with you than 
maybe you got out of talking with me. So it was really a privilege to be with you. Uh, great to meet you and get to know you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Great hosting you. And I know our listeners got a lot out of this. And it's just so awesome to be with someone who started this a long time ago, a long time before a lot of the listeners started. And we just really appreciate all you've done for the real estate industry as a whole. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Have a good one.